everyone. Welcome to the Parenting Balance Podcast. My name is Kelly Williams. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and an ADHD parenting expert by experience. I'm here with my partner. Hi, I'm Teresa Van Pelt. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and anxiety parenting expert by experience. And for the past 10 years, Kelly and I have had a family practice in Florida. This podcast is for parents who want to really understand what's going on with ADHD and anxiety so you can ditch the chaos and feel confident and happy again. Welcome to our first episode in our two-part series on human trafficking. Dr. Lisa Rapp McCall is a professor of social work at St. Louis University. Her research focuses on school violence and human trafficking. In addition, she teaches a course on human trafficking and does outreach work to the community to educate people on human trafficking. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Lisa. That's what my kids call you. Is it okay if I call you Dr. Lisa today? Absolutely, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, this is really exciting. So for our listeners, I'll just uh, quickly mention that um, Dr. Lisa and I met when I back when I used to work at the university, and she and I became friends because we were, I think, the only two faculty who had kids. We were the only parents in the department, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, so we... Uh, noticed right away, you know, that sometimes our perspective on things was different uh, in that we were always thinking about our family. And i that's one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about this topic, which isn't the most pleasant of all topics, right? Right. Yeah. It's hard. It's a heavy, it's a really heavy one. Yeah. Um, but it's so important for uh, parents to know about. So uh, let's, let's, I can't, I couldn't think of anyone better to help us kind of understand what is human trafficking and kind of how, you know, what, what do we need to know about this uh, in order to, you know, know how to, how to help our kids stay safe on the internet? Yeah, it's, it is a heavy topic. It's, it's not something we want to talk about, but I, found through my research and learning that it's really important and it's happening more than we thought it was um, and it's pretty serious. So just thinking about being a parent, I really want to get that information out to everyone and there's some myths also that go along with it that don't help. So if we can get rid of some of those myths and really get down to the facts of what we know, I think that'll help us as parents as well. So human trafficking is the exploitation of someone for the purpose of labor or commercial sex acts, and it involves force or fraud or coercion. And some have called it modern day slavery because people are kind of tricked and trapped into doing things that they didn't necessarily understand that they were going to be doing um, and certainly didn't want to do, but then are really trapped and can't get out of that. It's terrifying to think yes. about that, really. And yes, I, I think for myself, I mean, is, is one of the myths that this 
problem doesn't happen in the United States? Is that it is it is or a myth that people are trafficked into the U.S. and it doesn't happen to our own citizens. But that's not true. The U.S. is a destination country and it's one of the biggest buyers of human trafficking. So we buy a lot of trafficking, which we're usually not aware of um, because it could be through labor or it could be through sex trafficking. So it does happen in the U.S. It does happen to our own citizens can be the victims. And yes, we also traffic from the outside into the U.S. So that like is making my brain hurt a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there are people living in our communities who are buying kids as sex slaves or labor slaves. Absolutely. Ugh. Yes. Absolutely. It can be children, it can be adolescents, it can be adults. It's men and it's women. Um it's really it can be anyone. There's no real profile of what a victim is, except that they are vulnerable in some way. And um, that vulnerability is what the traffickers play on to lure and pull them into this situation. And speaking just as a human and as a therapist, I think that we're all vulnerable at different points. And I can imagine myself feeling like I'm not going to fall for this, but, and I, I think a lot of people probably are in that similar situation, like, oh, I would never fall for that, but I'm guessing that they're pretty savvy. Absolutely. We've all fallen for, you know, and mistaken someone to be someone who we thought they were, but they weren't, whether that was dating or friendships or okay. collegial things, right? Yeah. So we've all fallen and mistook someone for their true intent. And mm -hmm. so I think it can happen to anyone, actually, because we've had victims who were very well-educated, um, very wealthy, um, to, you know, the very impoverished or people who are homeless or people who are refugees. So it really can happen to anyone, Teresa. Yeah. And I can imagine, I know that in the times where I thought someone was someone different and I trusted them and they turned out to be someone different, I just know how embarrassed mm -hmm. I felt and how I didn't really, in the shame, and I didn't want to tell people. And I can imagine that if someone, you know, once they realize that they're in this situation, like that would be really hard to reach out to other people to let them know, you know, if there's a time that they can. Right. And the traffickers are really adept at luring people in, but also keeping people in. So another myth is we often see these pictures of like people chained to beds or locked in a room. That actually rarely happens. The trafficker controls people by manipulating, by emotional abuse, by physical abuse, sexual abuse, shaming them, isolating them from 
type of friends and family, um, getting them addicted to drugs. So they actually control them a lot like domestic violence, if you know anything about that, or, or dating violence. They kind of control them psychologically. Um, and so they don't do these kind of things of locking people away. So that makes it even harder than for this victim to get away from the trafficker or that labor trafficking or sexual trafficking that they're in. I know that you had mentioned that there, um, that oftentimes it involves, um, the victim being vulnerable in some ways. Can you kind of give examples of the vulnerabilities that that you're talking about? Absolutely. So lots of times, you know, we'll see kids who were running away or they're homeless. They are very vulnerable then to a trafficker. Um, victims of trauma or child abuse have that history now, and they are vulnerable. People with mental health problems, maybe they're isolated, maybe they're impulsive, maybe they're anxious or worried or don't have many support systems. They are vulnerable. And in addition, just our typical kids who right now in the pandemic are bored, they're lonely, and they're online a lot. So any of those are examples of being extra vulnerable to traffickers. So Lisa, you you study the, I don't even know, how do you, where do you get the data for the research that you do? I guess, because I'm, what I'm getting at is you study the cases of people that have come forward to, who've survived this awful experience, right? But, but how many people are out there that, that we might not know about, you know, how, how prevalent do you think this problem really is? It's hard to say because it is a covert and secretive type of crime. But when we um, look at the numbers, um, and for any listeners who are interested, Polaris Project is a great site to go to, a respected site that really details and collects data on human trafficking and provides a lot of other information as well. Um, but there's over 40 million victims worldwide, and this is a worldwide problem. And it's a $150 billion industry. So it's the third largest crime in the world behind um, drug trafficking and firearm trafficking. So human trafficking is the third largest crime across the globe, if you will. Wow. It's a huge problem. Wow. We get our data from a few different points. Um, the victims who have called in the Polaris Project, they have data out there, so that's wonderful to have. And I also work closely with the Pasco County Sheriff Department where we're tracking human trafficking crimes that are coming through. And so that's another way to look at that um, 
and see, but there are so many that are out there that are secret and undercover that um, we don't know about. If you think about the Jeffrey Epstein case, that is an example of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Um, And that went on for decades and it's been years and years now since it happened, but it took that long to really uncover and really start believing the victims when they did come forward. And actually very few of all of his victims have actually come forward. Right. I could see where, and I guess this is the part, this is the reason why we want parents to know this information, right? Because one of the reasons why it's so hard to come forward is the lack of understanding, uh, you know, um, the shame about how I got into this and I, and I don't know how to get out of it and the fear uh, that other people aren't going to understand and aren't going to help me, uh, maybe? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the traffickers, I might speak just a little bit about how they lure Um, and what kind of tactics they use, because that might help um, the listeners understand how kids can get pulled into this, um, or even adults. But they, they follow online or try to find these people who are a little vulnerable. Maybe they're sad, depressed, have that abuse background, have some mental health problems, they're lonely, they're bored. And they get to talking to them. And that could be um, a lot online, but it could be face-to-face. And they start befriending them, and they're listening to them, which is the most important part. And they're getting them to talk and tell them about themselves, their family, their situation. And they appear to be this wonderful, wonderful friend to this vulnerable person. They're listening, they're supportive, they're kind, and they're listening for what that person needs. Are they homeless? Do they need money? Do they need shelter? Do they need food? Do they, you know, need a place to stay, a hot shower? Are they online and you know, no one understands them, their parents are going through a divorce, or they're just bored, or they're being abused at home. They listen, and they're taking that in, and they're providing something to them that they need. Love, kindness, food, gifts, Mm -hmm. money, all of that. So, and I might just, I, I, you know, <laughs> as you are saying what this vulnerability is, I, I can't help but think from a developmental perspective that you're, you're basically describing what every human goes through in adolescence. Absolutely. And especially mm-hmm. now, right? We're really all isolated a, a lot yeah. and we're lonely yeah. and we're bored for sure. Right. Um, well, I can definitely yeah. check off that list. <laughs> right. Right. And so this wonderful person is coming into their lives and giving them the things, the very things that they're needing and looking for. And before long, 
you know, and this can be months that they take to make this relationship and kind of groom them. Yeah. 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 And maybe at some point they say, you know, I want to be your boyfriend or girlfriend. I love you. And there's this and that going on. Um, and then before long, maybe, you know, I, they send the, the youth a, a naked picture. Oh, that's fun. That's funny. You do one now, you know, and then they send one back. And now they've got you, right? Mm -hmm. Because now I can tell your parents, I can show this to anyone because you've sent that picture. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they've sent some pornography just to normalize it, make it like it's no big deal. This is what people do. And then we start going from there. Um, they may ask to uh, meet up with them at the park, at the mall, at the whatever, and start getting to know them. So the violence and abuse and, and terribleness comes after this whole time where they've been wonderful and mm -hmm. so and develop this relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know from... You know, I guess the current, as social workers, we have to do, you know, this ongoing training, right, uh, mm -hmm. to kind of stay up to date in the uh, changing uh, landscape of, of things that impact mental health, right? And um, so one of, the, one of the things that I have noticed in the years, the many years now that I've been a, a social worker is... Um, the perception, like how our kids understand their safety or risk online is, you know, we have done the talking and we do the teaching to our kids and they can say to us, yes, I understand. I know that I can't trust everybody that's online. But when we, when researchers look at what kids know about how to keep themselves safe and then compare it to what they do, they see this difference. It's as if um, the kids, they logically know, but from an emotional standpoint, they are still conned by this. They still make the mistake. They still reveal things to people who they really don't know because once they get a sense that, you know, once they feel like they know the person, they think they do. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And the traffickers who are, you know, adults are very well trained and honed at this is their job. They're experts in doing this. So um, they're very good at doing this. And remember, you know, they're like 25 and our kids are what? Kids tend to 20, you know, or whatever. So they have that age advantage. They have that expertise advantage to con them. And the power. And the power. And yeah, some of definitely the, the age difference is, is a sign of power. And the other thing is some of our traffickers are women because women are very good at listening. We're great at making and having relationships. And the traffickers, if you think of it like a business, this is like a hierarchy. So the head trafficker, you know, may be a male, but he knows that women can bring in more people because people will trust adult women more than adult men. Again, I'll go back to the Jeffrey Epstein example. His counterpart, his partner in crime, Ghislaine, 
a woman would go and get many of the girls for him because they trusted her. They said she seemed like a big sister. She was real nice and she listened and she gave me money and help and advice. So wow. it's, yeah, it, it, it's hard. You can't blame anyone for getting pulled into it. Right. Right. So if, if a parent suspects that their child might be involved somehow it's really, really important for parents to understand it is not your child's, it's not the kid's fault, right? Right, absolutely. So, yeah, and you know, I think uh, from, again, like a cultural perspective as, as social workers in domestic violence and child abuse, in sexual trauma treatment, you know, that's always been part of the work has been to we have to convince people that this isn't your fault. Right. Um, right. Right. It, it's, yeah. It's a lot like child abuse and family violence, domestic violence. We spend a lot of time trying to explain and help that victim realize that they were the true victim and not, you know, part of the problem. Um, and you're right, it does take so long, but it is very similar. Human trafficking is very similar to that. Um, and remember, they also know things about them. So they can say, if you don't continue to do that, I'm going to kill your dog. I know where you live and I know how much you love little, you know, Fluffy. Um, so they will directly threaten or I'm going to get your sister involved in this, your little sister. I'm going to tell your parents, I'm going to send these naked pictures around, you know, cause I can get on your Facebook account and your Instagram account and, and whatever and whatnot. Um, they threaten them. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's really, you know, I, and I want to, um, I guess I want to move more into prevention, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Because this is really hard to think about. And I know as a parent of a, a tween and a teenager myself that it, it, I feel so powerless to help them, especially my teenager, you know, right? He's um, 15 years old and I, I, I don't feel able at this point to control what he's doing on the internet. You know, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm at the place where I have to trust that what I've taught him, you know, up to now and our relationship is got to be the thing that's going to keep him safe because I can't keep him off of it. Does does that make sense? Right? Like I, we right. I can't clamp it down. I can't just turn, say, okay, this scares me. I'm not going to let you have it. Like, that's not an option here, you know? Right, right. And um, at that age, too, I mean, who's telling 15-year-olds what to do and who's listening, right? Mm -hmm. They're not listening to us uh, very well. So you're right. We can't just say, you know, you can't be on your laptop or phone. They actually have to have it for school now. So you can't just automatically do that. So we have to think of some different ways to try to prevent and get them to try to understand. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's the second part of this series. The second interview is going to be more focused on 
what we could do to protect our kids. Um, but I think Kelly brought up a good point about kind of showing your kids in whatever way that you're open, they're not going to, you're not going to, you, you know, more of an understanding. Yeah. You know, of what. when I think about it, I remember I'm going to, I'm going to give away my age here, but do you remember when uh, moms against drunk driving first became a thing, right? And they had mm-hmm. PSAs on TV and it said, you know, have this conversation with your kid that no matter what, if you are somewhere and you're in trouble, you can call me no questions asked. Right. And so it was like this PSA about in the moment, if there's trouble, you know, how do you, how do you convey to your child that you come to your parent and you will be safe, right? Like, like I can promise you, I'm not going to overreact to this. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to whatever, whatever. And I, I kind of feel like the internet safety, maybe we need to start the same kind of a thing there, right? Like if you get in trouble online, come to me and I promise I won't freak out, you know? But we, I think we have to show them in other parts of our lives that we don't freak out about things. Because if we freak out about other things and we say we're not going to this time, yeah. then... Well, and I'll speak for myself, you know... Um, that my kids understand how to internet better than I do. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't think I'm normally freaking out, although, you know, (laughs) they might tell you otherwise. But when I don't understand what's happening, because I just my brain doesn't understand the technology like they do. Mm -hmm. They they perceive it as I'm freaking out, because I'm asking so many questions like, right, like, how did this, you know, this kind of thing. And so it's that, like, it's kind of that uh, problem that I'm talking about. Like, how do you solve that in order to, to create the safe space for them to come to you, you know? Right. Well, I think in our next episode, I have some tips that parents might be able to take away. Um, and I'm no tech expert either, but the tech experts have taught us a few things that we can do, which are basic and might help parents kind of deal with that. Awesome. I cannot wait to hear it. Yeah. So I hope you guys join us for the second part in the series where Lisa share some tips and um, ideas on how we can keep our kiddos safe. Thank you for listening to the Parenting Balance podcast. To join our mailing list, go to parentingbalance.com slash podcast. When you join, you will be notified of upcoming live Q&As. You can help us plan future episodes. We'd love to hear comments and questions. You can reach us by email, hello at parentingbalance.com. And if you found this information helpful, please share it with anyone else who can benefit and subscribe and give us a rating on your podcast platform. And until then, remember, different isn't wrong.